Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Let's chat with Vaughn Palmer for the Vancouver Sun this morning because we know that there are bad examples that are being set out there when it comes to COVID-19, but you wouldn't expect to find one where he's going to be talking about. Vaughn, good morning. Yes, good morning, Simi, and for everyone out there who's been lectured by the health minister and the provincial health officer about the need to obey the rules and show respect and keep people informed and police uh, cases of COVID-19, I think this one is going to upset them because this is what happened when the health ministry had a case show up at the main health ministry building here in the provincial capital, the Blanchard Building. It's where Dr. Bonnie Henry works. A little note went out to staff there last Wednesday saying, um, yeah, we had a case reported here in the building the previous week, so this is not last week now, the week before that, And we only told the contacts and the people who worked on the same floor as the person who had COVID-19. We didn't tell all the staff in the building, and um, we should have. Okay, these are people who should definitely most know the rules, should they not? Uh, It's an incredible story, and I'm going to say full credit to Bob Mackin of The Breaker, who got his hands on the memo that the health ministry put out to staff belatedly admitting what had happened and expressing regret about it. Mackin reported it. So then we finally got a a public statement from the ministry. But the ministry's uh, notice to staff says um, this was a huge learning experience for us. Uh, I mean, one might as well laugh. Um, We will be taking a broader communication approach if this happens again. Um, Yeah, we should have told everybody in the building that um, there was a case in the building. And, um, oh, they're taking refuge behind a bunch of excuses. Uh, Well, there was actually little chance of contact, and it's low risk, and uh, people don't go back and forth much between floors in the health ministry. And, uh, well, you know, privacy concerns and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just thinking, like, what would the health minister's reaction be if this had happened in a banquet hall or a bar or, you know, even a private workplace. Like, this is incredible that the health ministry, one, did it this way, two, only admitted it after the fact, and three, the only reason we know about this publicly is because, you know, an investigative journalist got his hands on the memo and reported it on Friday. It's just shocking to me, too. Also, why do they have so many people back at work in the building? Well, that's another very good question, because the directive, as you're quite right, has gone out through the public sector and from Dr. Henry that... Uh, don't go to work unless you. it's absolutely essential. Yeah. Work from home. Work from home till the new year. In fact, the government backed off 
the back-to-work edict that they issued during the election. Uh, They backed off that. Dr. Henry has said it repeatedly that, uh, you know, you shouldn't be going into the office. Uh, You shouldn't be going into work unless it's essential. Work from home. It's a way of reducing risk. Keeps you off public transit. um, And it reduces contact in the workplace. So, again, you're going like, is the ministry living up to the ministry's own message. And I have to think, you know, Dr. Henry, when she found, I mean, she works in that building. You're telling me what happened in the building and you didn't tell everybody in the building? I have to think that's her reaction, but we'll see. Yeah, so many questions about that too. And of course, it's going to be a live briefing today, right? Yeah, it's a live briefing today. It's a busy day. Uh, we're also getting this uh, big briefing uh, from Mary Ellen Turple Fond on the uh, issue that was taken to her way back in right. what, June. Uh, allegations of uh, racism in the healthcare system, uh, racist treatment of patients, of of people who came in contact. Uh, she spent a lot of time gathering information in confidence, obviously. But uh, it was uh, it's in the marching orders for. Health Minister Adrian Dix to deal with the recommendations of this report. It's part of the Premier's mandate letter to Dix to deal with it. Um, one knows Mary Ellen Turple Lafon's reputation. I guarantee you, Simi, this will not be a whitewash. There will be tough recommendations here, and the government better live up to them. All right, so should be bracing for that. And also still questions about the vaccine, right, and how this rollout is going to happen in B.C. What do we know about that? Well, it's interesting. You know, Dr. Henry was asked about this, and she, she pointed us all to a report from a federal committee of experts which advised the national government on priorities. So assuming that at the beginning the vaccine supplies will be limited, uh, who gets it first? And she said the province, she, Dr. Henry, the provincial government, the public health officers in the province share the priorities of this committee. So the quick uh, in order priorities where there's shortage, first call on the vaccine should be those at high risk of illness and death. So people over the age of 70, people People with pre-existing medical conditions that makes them vulnerable. Second priority, those who are essential to maintaining the healthcare system and those who work in close contact with the first group, the people that are vulnerable. So obviously healthcare workers, staff in long-term care facilities, and so forth. Third priority, other essential workers. So police, fire, emergency responders, grocery clerks, um, and others who cannot work from home and who must work. Uh, So they've been designated as essential services. Uh, And the fourth group are others whose, and this is an interesting distinction, others whose living and working conditions come with inequities, limited access to health care, disproportionate risk. So that would be, for example, remote indigenous communities, where if the virus got in there, you know, there isn't a hospital there, there isn't an ability to respond quickly, so they would be on the priority list as well. Uh, Dr. Henry's appointed a... Uh, a um, an oversight uh, group. She'll be part of it to 
come up with rules for actual implementation, distribution of the virus. You know, Simi, some of the viruses, uh, some of the vaccine is uh, is very difficult to distribute. The one that that needs temperatures of what seventy below zero right. will be hard to distribute. So we'll be getting all that. They will obviously tailor these recommendations, these priorities to circumstances in BC. But we've got an indication there who gets it first, at least, and in what order they get it. Um, obviously, when we know better about what kind of vaccine it is and how uh, it's vulnerable and how useful it is, we'll probably have some tweaking of those guidelines. Right. Okay. Expect to hear more about that for sure. I guess, you know, you wonder though, Vaughn, will we be hearing more about um, orders or provincial health orders about how to deal with this? Because clearly the numbers from what we heard on Friday, they were not good at all. And you would have thought that by now, a couple of weeks into this, we would see hopefully some improvement. Um, Yes, we would. Although I note that our colleague at Global, uh, Keith Baldry, was out uh, on the weekend on social media, on Twitter, saying, you know, reminding everybody, the projection is that our case count is doubling every 13 days. And so far, we've been following that. Uh, You know, people are alarmed about the case count in Ontario, well, per capita, our case count's a lot higher here in BC. So we're not the poster child for this anymore. And I see Baldry saying the way things are going, the case count, the daily case count in BC could be in the thousands by the end of the year, unless this curve bends and it's not bending. Not yet. Wait for those numbers this afternoon. All right. Thank you, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simi. That is our Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Yes, there will be that update this afternoon, 3 o'clock. Dr. Bonnie Henry, Adrian Dix, and as Vaughn just pointed out, so many questions to put to them on how this is being dealt with and BC is falling behind fast. We'll be talking more about that.